You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Hello, Renegade Nation, and welcome back for another installment of Big Trouble in Little Vagina, the talk that makes your body rock. Don't forget, our program is dedicated to helping you find the most important, most elusive, and most precious of all things, the perfect orgasm. Now, before we get started with today's episode, I do want to remind all you naughty little listeners out there that if you're searching for naughtiness on the internet, then make sure you're visiting our sponsor, Adam and Eve Toys. Because if you're in the market for an adult toy, or maybe you need help finding that perfect adult toy, then Adam and Eve Toys is your destination. Head on over to them right now. And by being a renegade listener, they're going to give you one hell of a deal. That's right. Use special code BABE69. That's B-A-B-E-6-9. They're going to give you 50% off of one item. But that's not all. No, they're throwing in more. They're going to give you free shipping. And they're going to throw in three choice adult movies. And a very, very special renegade listener gift. And let me tell you something, the folks over at Adam and Eve Toys really do know how to treat you right, so make sure that you head on over there today and pick out something really, really naughty. Also, don't forget that the Renegade Talk Radio Network is growing by leaps and bounds every single day. We've got a brand new website, and it's so much easier to find all your favorites, so make sure that you've got the website bookmarked. Make sure you're checking out all the fascinating and provocative shows that are available on the website. We have Cannabis Talk with Patty Cakes, Queen of the Cannabis, Political Insight from Lou Colajavani, Deep Insight into Conspiracies with Everly Isby, Entrepreneurship and Business with Heather Havenwood, and as always, Hilarity and Thought-Provoking Hijinks with Richie and our own Sammy the Sausage Man. And you can check out my other show, The World in My Eyes, where all the voices in my head get to come out and play for a little while. And, you know, I talk about the things that make me think and cringe and laugh. And don't forget, there's so much more great talk radio on its way to you, so make sure you're checking back daily, because you really don't want to miss what's coming up next. And... If you're wondering, we have spent such a great deal of time getting very intimate with each other. And in case that you're new to the show, well, I am the naughty mistress with the mostest, the melodic goddess of getting it on, and the deviant diva, naughty Nicole Delacroix. And the only thing that I ever ask of you is to keep an open mind, put aside what you think you know, and sit back and relax, and we're going to run down this crazy road of life together. But don't ever forget, orgasms are nature's way of saying, life sucks ass. But here's a little candy for you. And on today's episode of Big Trouble in Little Vagina, we're going to take a break from our normal escapades. And we're going to focus on something that I consider one of the most important traits that a person can possess. Kindness. And a little bit later on, we're also going to be talking about forgiveness. I know... This week's episode may have some of you out there thinking that I'm just a little bit off my rocker. And to be quite honest, you're probably right. But stick with me, because I assure you there is a method to my madness. 
And we're going to start our journey today with a story. That's right. A story about a man who was considered to be both kind and incredibly generous. A man who began his journey as Jerome Silberman in the great city of Milwaukee on June 11, 1933. His father, a manufacturer and salesman of novelty items, was an immigrant from Russia. His mother, well, she suffered from rheumatic heart disease and had a temperament that sometimes led her to punish young Jerry angrily and then smother him with regretful kisses. He did spend one semester at the Black Fox Military Institute in Hollywood. His mother saw it as a great opportunity, but in reality, it was a catch basin for boys from broken families, where he was regularly beaten up for being Jewish. Once safely back home after that little misadventure, he played some minor roles in community theater productions, and then he followed his older sister, Corinne, into the theater program at the University of Iowa. After Iowa, he studied Shakespeare at the Bristol Old Vic Theater School in England, where he was the very first freshman to win the school fencing championship. With his haunted blue eyes and an empathy born from his own history of psychic distress, he aspired to touch audiences much as Charlie Chaplin had. In fact, the Chaplin film, City Lights, he once said made the biggest impression on him as an actor. It was funny and sad, and both at the same time. Yes, Jerome Silberman, or as he was better known, Gene Wilder, established himself as one of America's foremost comic actors, with his delightfully neurotic performances in three films directed by Mel Brooks. His eccentric star turn in the family classic Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and his winning chemistry with Richard Pryor in the box office smash Stir Crazy, passed early Monday morning in his home in Stamford, Connecticut. According to the Associated Press, the actor died as a result of complications from Alzheimer's disease. He was 83. The news was later confirmed by his family, and Wilder's nephew said in a brief statement, and I quote, We understand for all the emotional and physical challenges this situation presented, we have been among the lucky ones. This illness pirate, unlike in so many cases, never stole his ability to recognize those that were closest to him, nor took command of his central, gentle, life-affirming core personality. The decision to wait until this time to disclose his condition wasn't vanity, but more so that the countless young children that would smile or call out to him, there's Willy Wonka, would not have been, would not have to be, then exposed to an adult referencing illness or trouble and causing delight to travel to worry, disappointment, or confusion. He simply couldn't bear the idea of one less smile in the world. He continued to, jo to enjoy art, music, and kissing with his leading lady of the last 25 years, Karen. He danced down a church aisle at a wedding as parent of the groom and ring bearer, held countless afternoon movie western marathons, and delighted in the company of beloved ones. 
Mr. Wilder's first two marriages to Mary Mercier and Mary Joan Schultz both ended in divorce. In 1982, he met the Saturday Night Live comedian Gilda Radner when they were both cast in the suspense comedy Hanky Panky. One evening, he recounted in Kiss Me Like a Stranger, he and Miss Radner innocently ended up at his hotel to review some script changes. The time, the time came for her to leave, and instead she shoved him down on the bed, jumped on top of him, and announced, I have a plan for fun. But he sent her home anyway. She was married to another man. But before long, they did begin a relationship. By his own account, Miss Radner was needy, obsessed with getting married, and once they were married in 1984, obsessed with having a child, a project that ended in miscarriage just months before learning that she had ovarian cancer in 1986. Of their first year of living together, he wrote, We didn't get along well, and that's a fact. We just loved each other, and that's a fact. He left only to find that he needed to go back. Miss Radner, Radner sadly died in 1989, and he said, I had one great blessing. I was so dumb. Because I believed, even three weeks before she died, that she would make it. In memory of Miss Radner, he helped to found, to found an ovarian cancer detection center in her name in Los Angeles, and Gilda's Club, a network of support centers for people with cancer. He also contributed to a book, Gilda's Disease, in 1998 with Dr. M. Stephen Piver. Mr. Wilder himself developed non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in 1999, but with chemotherapy and a stem cell transplant, he was in remission by 2005. In 1991, Mr. Wilder married Karen Boyer, a hearing specialist who had coached him on the filming of See No Evil, Hear No Evil in which his character was deaf and Mr. Pryor's was blind. She survives him, as does a daughter from an earlier marriage. His sister passed in January. But even before he became ill, Mr. Wilder had begun slowing down. He made his first and last attempt at a television series, the short-lived and little-remembered comedy Something Wilder from 1994. He returned to the theater in 1997 in a London production of Neil Simon's Laughter on the 23rd Floor. In 1999, he was a writer for two TV movies in which he starred, Murder in a Small Town and The Lady in Question, playing a theater director turned amateur sleuth. In 2001, he appeared at the Westport Country Playhouse in Connecticut in a program of one-act farces. Shortly after appearing in an episode of Will and Grace in 2003, he won an Emmy for that role. He declared that he had retired from acting for good. He was by then enjoying a new career as a novelist. His My French Whore, published in 2007, was the story of a naive young American who impersonates a German spy in World War I. As said by novelist Karen, Carolyn C., said, Just fluff, but sweet fluff, as she wrote in her review in the Washington Post. It was followed by two more novels, The Woman Who Wouldn't and Something to Remember You By, and a simple story collection, What Is This Thing Called Love? But it was, of course, as an actor that Mr. Wilder left his most lasting mark. In his memoir, he posed a question about his life's work, and then answered it. What do actors really want? To be great actors? Yes, 
but you can't buy talent, so it's best to leave the world great out of it. I think to be believed on stage or on screen is the one hope that all actors share. A kind and generous man by all accounts, and a supreme talent that this world has lost. Rest well, Mr. Wilder. Rest well. All right, my dear listeners, we're just getting started with today's topic, and before we get too far, we do need to take a moment to visit our sponsors. Maybe a little bit of music. You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina, and I'm Naughty Nicole. This is Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE69 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE69 at adamandeve.com. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. All right, welcome back, Renegade Nation. If you're just tuning in, this is a very special episode of Big Trouble in Little Vagina, and I am still Naughty Nicole, and today we're talking about kindness and forgiveness. And I hope that during the break you took some time to check out the wide selection of adult toys, movies, and oh so much more over at Adam and Eve Toys. But for now, we're going to continue our journey on kit on kindness and forgiveness with a few more stories about kindness and forgiveness in honor and tribute to the late, great Gene Wilder. During the Second World War, Corrie ten Boom and her family showed great courage in helping to rescue Jewish people from the Nazis. Corrie's involvement with the Dutch underground began with her acts of kindness in giving temporary shelter to her Jewish neighbors, who were being driven out of their homes. Soon the word spread, and more and more people came to her home for shelter. As quickly as she could find places for them, more would arrive. She had a false wall constructed in her bedroom behind which people could hide. After a year and a half, her home developed into the center of an underground ring that reached throughout Holland. Daily, dozens of reports, appeals, and people came in and out of her family's watch shop. She wondered how long this much activity and the seven Jews that they were hiding would remain a secret. On February 28, 1944, Corey was 48 years old. A man came into the shop and asked Corey to help him. He stated that he and his wife had been hiding Jews and that she had been arrested. He needed 600 guilders to bribe a policeman for her freedom. Carrie promised to help. 
she found out later that he was actually an informant that had worked with the Nazis from the first day of the occupation. He turned her family into the Gestapo. Later that day, her home was raided, and Corey and her family were arrested. Their Jewish visitors made it to the secret room in time and were later able to escape to new quarters. Corey's father, however, died ten days later from illness. They were arrested and imprisoned by the Germans. Corey and her sister were sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp, where her sister died just before the end of the war in 1945. The rest of her family was never seen again. She spent the rest of her long life spreading the word of forgiveness. And here's part of a story of forgiveness that she once shared. In her own words, It was in a church in Munich that I saw him. A balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken. And that's when I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment, I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the corner of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, Ribs sharp beneath, beneath the parchment of skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we had been sent. He said, You mentioned Ravensbrück in your talk. I was a guard in there. No, he didn't remember me. I had to do it. Well, I knew that. Forgiveness has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. He continued, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fraulein, he extended his hand, will you forgive me? And I stood there, I, whose sins had every day to be forgiven, could not. Betsy had died in that place, and how could he erase her slow, terrible death simply by asking? It could not have been many seconds that I stood there, and his hand held out to me, but to me it felt like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing that I ever had to do. For I had to do it, I knew that, and still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart, but forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, and sprang into our joined hands. And this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being and bring tears to my eyes. I forgive you with all my heart. Truly a moving thought that one person could forgive. But as wiser people than I have ever said, forgiveness isn't about the person who wronged. It's always about forgiving yourself. 
So how about a few more forgiving stories, if you'll forgive me. Let's talk about the unlikely partner. Iranian woman Samara Alinejad has told the Associated Press that retribution had been her only thought after her teenage son was murdered. But in a dramatic turn at the gallows, literally moments before the killer was to be executed, Alinejad made a last-minute decision to pardon the man. And she's now considered a hero. Or, how about a mending feud? In May 2014, New York Times photographer Peter Hyogo began a photo essay project in Rwanda to demonstrate the forgiveness between the Hutus and the Tutsis, the two cultures involved in the 1994 Rwandan genocide that took millions of lives. In the photos, members from both cultures stand side by side like Francine Mukagasana and Oliver Habayaramana, illustrating a story of forgiveness and how the subjects' lives are now thoroughly intertwined. Or how about this story? After a long shift at the fire department, Matt Swatzel fell asleep while driving and crashed into another vehicle, taking the life of pregnant mother June Fitzgerald and injuring her 19-month-old daughter. But today, Fitzgerald's husband, a full-time pastor, asked for the man's diminished sentence and began meeting with Swatzel for coffee and conversation. And many years later, the two men remain close. You forgive as you've been forgiven, as Fitzgerald told us. Or, in an interview with Real Simple, domestic violence survivor Pascale Cavanaugh said that she never thought that she would reconnect with her mother, her abuser, during her adult life. However, in 2010, her mother suffered, suffered several strokes that left her unable to communicate or care for herself. With no one else to help, Kavanaugh began to sit by her mother's bedside and read to her. Through this, Kavanaugh says the hate that she had for her mother dissipated into forgiveness and love. Or, how about this one? According to People, teen Jordan Howe took his stepfather's gun to school and accidentally shot Addie Guzman Jesus' daughter, Lourdes, while showing the firearm to friends. Astonishing the judge and community, Guzman Jesus not only forgave the boy, but also asked for him to get a much lighter sentence, telling reporters that she believes her daughter would have wanted it that way. Howe will only serve one year in a juvenile detention center, and will visit local schools with Guzman Jesus to warn kids about the dangers of guns. Or, we can talk about this one, an unexpected connection. Sandra Walker, a mother of two, lost her husband in a car accident that also caused her to have a life-changing brain injury. At the trial for the accident, in her court statement, Walker said she sympathized with the woman who crashed into them, who herself lost a child in the accident, and gave her a hug. I know she's going through as much pain as I'm feeling, and I wanted her to know that I forgive her what, for what happened. Yes, it's true. We can forgive in even the most unlikely of circumstances. Anyways, my precious listeners, it's that time again. We need to visit our, our sponsors. 
So take a moment, check out what they have to offer, and meet me back here after the break. I'm still Naughty Nicole, and you're still listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina here on Monday Talk. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE69 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE69 at adamandeve.com. And welcome back, Renegade Nation. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina, and I am Naughty Nicole, and today we've been talking about kindness and forgiveness. And I hope that during the break that you have visited our sponsors, Adam and Eve Toys, to check out the wide selection of adult toys, movies, and oh so much more that they have for you. And I know today has been a little bit of a journey, and a little bit weepy-eyed maybe, but I promise you this. I have a big surprise for you next week on the show, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Just be prepared. I'm hoping everything will work out perfectly, and we might have a very special guest on Big Trouble in Little Vagina. But let's continue with today's subject. The Oxford Dictionary defines kindness as caring about others, gentle, friendly, and generous. However, that definition can be extended and better encompassed by an act of kindness is a message from one heart to another, an act of love, an unspoken I care statement. Kindness, when allowed to flourish, is an all-pervasive, all-transcending, flowing current which sustains mankind and which is absolutely fundamental within our society and world. If we are to establish the value of kindness, then we might find a scale on which to measure it. In the most logical way to deduct the value of something, then let us use the scale which is most commonly called upon in our society, cost. Kindness can cost a dollar put towards helping a homeless person to stay in a shelter for a night, a donation towards the aid of the distressed and displaced flood victim, or the sum of a check written to help a friend in need. However, a kind word is free, as is sharing your umbrella in the rain, or stopping to ask somebody if they're lost and need help. The relative value of an act of kindness carried out by any one person or group has no direct correspondence with the importance of that act. The value of kindness can also be discussed in terms of time. The two minutes that it takes to help somebody carry their wheelchair up the stairs at the train station, the 30 minutes a month where you volunteer to visit a residential care home and maybe chat with an elderly person who's lonely, 
or the month that you spent sharing your home with that distant cousin who's down on their luck. But this scale is also insufficient, as the time taken to carry out a kind act is only a small part of the overall duration of its effect. For example, a smile takes only a moment, but could change somebody's mood for the entire day. A few words of encouragement or reassurance can stay with a person and continue to help them to overcome difficulties for many years after they were spoken. Indeed, it could be argued that the effects of certain kind acts can continue indefinitely. It is therefore not appropriate to try and measure kindness at all, because, simply put, it is far too large and pervasive a thing in the lives of people to be pinned down on some sort of scale of one to, one to kind. The significance of an act of kindness is subjective rather than objective. It might mean nothing to one person while profoundly affecting another. Each kind act is simply an act of humanity and is as valid as any other in terms of its contribution to fellow creatures and the world that we live in. In our ability to be kind, we are all equal. So, although kindness cannot be given a concrete or tangible value, this in no way means that kindness is without value. In fact, kindness can be viewed as quite invaluable. It is necessary to us, so much so that Goth described kindness as the golden chain by which society is bound together. Kindness within a society is essential and absolutely necessary in order for humans to coexist and live even relatively harmoniously in such large groups. More so, it is safe to presume that the more kindness existing in any society, the more harmony there is likely to be. In this, we can begin to perceive the beautiful flow of kindness. Not only does kindness have a domino effect, but also a reverse domino effect. If a stranger went to pick up the newspaper that you dropped, then not only would your mood and the possibilities of you carrying out an act of kindness be improved, the stranger would also feel good about themselves and be more likely to repeat the experience. Indeed, when you give yourself, you receive more than you give. So being kind to somebody else is in fact a very effective way to ensure that you are kind to yourself. When acts of kindness are carried out, the giver and the recipient both benefit and are all likely to be happier and more effective in their purpose, existence, or function. Not only paramount to society, kindness is a uniquely human attribute. The fact that we as human beings are capable of kind acts, which have no clear material benefit to ourselves, means we can try to create something beyond simply survival. We can elevate ourselves as a species, both morally and spiritually, and attempt to transcend purely selfish motivation, unlike all other groups that social animals forms. Perhaps alongside language and cooking, Kindness defines us and sets us apart from all other life on earth. It separates the nature of human society from that of, say, a pack of dogs. It seems, then, that the ability to really demonstrate kindness is the responsibility of each and every single human being who wishes to be part of a society. 
And we do not only have a responsibility to be kind to each other. As inhabitants of this earth, we also inherit a huge responsibility to respect and care for the environment and its creatures. And even small acts of kindness can have a definite result. Wherever there is a human being, there is an opportunity for kindness. And we have established that this opportunity is in fact a privilege and the reason as to why we as humans can live as we do. So perhaps we should ask ourselves if we are exercising our privilege and responsibility enough. It is one of the most valuable gifts bound by no scale and which we can all afford at all times. In our ability to carry out kind acts, we are all equal and therein lies the immediate value. And with that, Renegade Nation, is where I want to leave you today. A challenge to be kind and compassionate to not only yourself, but to others. And practice random acts of forgiveness, if not for someone else, then for yourselves. And on that note, we've come to the end of yet another episode. I do hope that you enjoyed today's ride. Maybe you learned a little something, or maybe you just liked the ride. If you did, don't hesitate to let me know because I'd love to hear from you. You can find me at my website, www.nicole-delacroix.com or on Twitter at at Nicole Delacroix. If you like what you're hearing, then make sure you pick up a copy of my book, Sexual Confessional, Confidential Admissions from Social Media, available on Amazon.com and all other major booksellers. That's our time for today. And I do want to thank you for joining me for Big Trouble in Little Vagina here on Renegade Talk Radio. And don't forget to join me next time so we can get down and dirty. Until then, remember, kindness, it doesn't cost a damn thing. So sprinkle that shit everywhere. See you next time, my precious little heathens. We don't sugarcoat shit. (laughs) This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.